This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight, we are reviewing week one of the NFL Slate 2021. We got through most of the first week. There's a Monday night game tonight, uh, although this will be released on Tuesday. Just a few housekeeping notes here at the top. If you would like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so more people can discover that Dynasty League Fantasy is the best form there is. We'd really appreciate it. All right, so... We are through most of week one. We have the exception of the Monday night football game tonight. We kind of did some live review of the Bucks cowboys game as it was kind of going on. And I I really thought that on Thursday night, I was kind of on a football high the way that game went. And the rest of it just seemed like a dud. Now, I know we're Packer fans, and so that maybe clouds the judgment. But I just didn't see a lot of great football this weekend. What were your thoughts? Well, this to start out the season like that with the Cowboys Bucks, I really do think that was a perfect game to start out the NFL season. That being said, I didn't watch as much football this weekend as I would have liked with one of our league mates getting married. Congratulations to Ben. So my overall thoughts on games that I did see though, or even scores, one of the games I would have loved to have watched was the Browns um, Chiefs game because I want to know how the Chiefs came back and won that. But other than that, yeah, I I guess I would say the same for you. We watched a little bit of football together for the first time in a very long time because we're both at this wedding getting ready and uh, that was a good time. But yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't as exciting, I guess, the week one as you would have hoped. I think there was a lot of sloppy football play due to a lot of players not playing at all this preseason. I would agree. There were a lot of procedural penalties. There were a lot of false starts, bad shifts, holding calls. And while I think that the referees sometimes need a few games to adjust as well, it just seemed like there was a lot of sloppiness all over the place, busted coverages everywhere. And I think that you are absolutely correct. And I think the point has been made by uh, everybody, their brother, their mother, and their father collectively that maybe not playing everybody in the preseason was maybe not the best thing if you wanted a good week one. This has been going on for a little bit though, too. I mean, the the play does get better. We see that the play gets better. Just got to knock some of stuff. But let's get into our week one review. So let's just go over the quick top tens so far as we sit on Monday. So quarterbacks, and I'm just taking this based on our league scoring. The number one quarterback was Patrick Mahomes. Not a huge surprise. Kyler Murray was two. Jared Goff, number three. Jameis Winston for Tom Brady, five, Stafford, six, uh, Russell Wilson, seven, Dak Prescott, eight, Jalen Hurts, nine, and Tyrod Taylor, 10. Running back, you had DeAndre Swift as the number one running back this weekend. Christian McCaffrey as the number two, Joe Mixon at three, Melvin Gordon, the third at four, Nick Chubb, five, Jamal Williams, six, David Montgomery, seven, Dalvin Cook at eight, 
Alvin Kamara nine and Eli Mitchell or Elijah Mitchell, as I more commonly know him back when I was doing college fantasy and he was on my team, number 10 wide receiver. Tyreek Hill finished the week as the number one overall wide receiver. Thanks to, I think it was 197 yards and a 75 yard touchdown in that game. Uh, Amari Cooper was number two, Debo Samuel, number three, Tyler Lockett, number four, Adam Thielen, number five, Antonio Brown, number six, Corey Davis, number seven, Nuke at number eight, Cooper Cup at number nine, and Christian Kirk as number 10. Then at tight end, you had Gronk at number one overall, Kelsey as the number two, TJ Hawkinson as number three, Juwan Johnson, number four, Dallas Goddard, number five, Logan Thomas, number six, George Kittle, number seven, Tyler Higby, number eight, Noah Fant, number nine, and David Njoku making a surprise leap into the top 10 at number 10. Although I will say those last few names were under 10 points apiece. So it was great at the top of the tight end ranks this weekend, but yet again, we got some guys that were marginal finishers near the bottom. Uh, Biggest surprises for me, and it was a guy that I got a lot of criticism for in our draft, but Lions running backs, Jamal Williams kind of got the start. He ended up getting less carries than DeAndre Swift, or I guess less snaps on the field, but did make a huge impact, had a touchdown in this game. I think he had over 60 yards rushing and added a lot in the passing game. So did DeAndre Swift, which is why he finished as the running back number one. But if the Lions are going to be in a lot of garbage time this year, it's going to be apparently the TJ Hawkinson and those running back show. Yeah, absolutely. I think DeAndre Swift most definitely surprised me with how well he came out to start the week. Even Jamal Williams. Yeah, I mean, as us, you know, we've said a million times, we're Packers fans. We've never really seen that um, from that type of role from Jamal. Um, so it's exciting to see that maybe there still can be some fantasy relevant players on the Detroit team that we don't think is going to be all that good this year. A lot of garbage time points usually leads to great passing numbers. And I would imagine they're going to be down in a lot of ball games this year with how poor that defense is and uh, how devoid of top line starters are on that team. They may be coming back in a hard way. Another big surprise to me, David Montgomery picked up right where he left off last year. Yeah, absolutely. Right where he left off, which was super exciting to see as well. You kind of wondered last year if this was going to be who he is you know he had a rough start to his career but hopefully he kind of takes off and he is going to be the running back kind of everyone thought he was going to be coming out of college I didn't feel particularly great because I had to face him this weekend but you know given where we were at the end of last year and we thought maybe a soft schedule that maybe he was not going to have a great week one because he was facing a tough defense in the Rams That just wasn't the case. So his outlook going forward is actually pretty rosy in my mind coming off of a pretty good matchup and still with Andy Dalton at quarterback. I think there's a possibility that with Justin Fields, he could actually take off even more, even though his carries might decline or his overall volume because Fields might be running more. So then let's go to that same Lions 49ers game. The backfield situation when we got the note and you and I were together on Sunday when Trey Sermon was inactive and the hubbub that was about all of that for everybody that was a beat writer up until about Sunday, the expectation that was that Trey Sermon was going to be the backup to 
Raheem Mostert going into this week, let alone this season. All of a sudden, he's inactive. Twitter's going nuts. And Raheem Mostert has two carries, chips a bone in his knee, and is going to be out now for the next eight weeks. We just confirmed that this afternoon. So in steps Elijah Mitchell, the sixth-round pick, has over 100 yards on the day and a touchdown, breaks off a couple of great runs, looks impressive, and he's going to be the number one pickup this week in most fantasy leagues. Yeah, I didn't watch very much, if at all, of the 49er game, but it's still early for a rookie that um, doesn't have high draft capital for me. I mean, and uh, you can flash the pan and, and see, but I, I'm, yeah, he's going to be a top waiver wire pickup, but I'm I'm going to stay a little calmer on him before I say he's the next James Robinson. I don't know if he'll be the next James Robinson, but with the way the 49ers system has worked out in the Shanahan's they've made, we made the comment, I think a week ago, two weeks ago that they've made no names into somebody's that have gone on for fantasy glory before just mention the name Alfred Morris to anybody. And I think you understand what I mean. So this isn't unusual, but the situation to me seems a little bit more fluid given that Sermon is there and Mostert's not going to be. Also, there's a Jeff Wilson Jr. sighting at some point. I don't know. The 49ers rotate a lot of running backs behind Mostert when he's out. So, And with how unhealthy that team has been, particularly at running back, we'll see how it shapes out. If Mitchell can continue this path, though, I mean – Sky's the limit. I, I think he could be in a glorious position if he gets the majority of the carries. And that's the way it looks after week one. But like you said, maybe pump the brakes. Then we get to the Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel situations. Debo breaks out and looks like 2019 Debo Samuel after he was missing a lot of time last year due to injuries. Brandon Ayuk, though, who got sustained a hamstring injury late in the Uh, training camp period after I think the second preseason game ends up being the third wide receiver on this team and on the depth chart doesn't get a single target in this game and for a guy that they were singing his praises all of last season that was a fantasy stud down the stretch for him not to get a single target is incredibly concerning well you tell me about that you're the one that owns um, Brandon Ayuk who was very very high on him last year yeah and it's interesting to see but you don't really know. I mean, with the 49er offense, you don't really know. Well, I don't know if it's a health thing. He was very limited. I think he was only like 11 to 15 snaps in that entire game. So I don't know how much we can take for the entirety of that. It could be a completely different team next week, but it's, it's worrying for a guy that I had a very high hopes on in a really good matchup for him to take advantage of and, He just wasn't on the field. I don't know. I I guess I'm going to need to see him have a game before I'm going to be comfortable starting him again. Then uh, Jamar Chase, for a guy that was commented on that he couldn't catch the football, that there were all the issues coming in over the weekend that, oh, the football doesn't have stripes and it's harder to catch in the NFL. Had a pretty damn good debut. Um, Yeah, him and Joe Burrow looked like they picked off kind of right where they left off in LSU. I don't think he had a missed opportunity, meaning um, he caught all his targets. I'm pretty positive. Very long touchdown play as well. Very, very nice start of his career. He's a very, very good player. Yeah, and we'll get to more on the Bengals offense here in a second. 
Another player who I was very surprised because I didn't hear anything happening during the game, but he just kind of popped up on my radar after the fact when I saw some of the point totals and the stats. Your former uh, wide receiver, Christian Kirk. Yeah, I drafted this guy. I've dropped him. I've picked him up. I've dropped him. I've picked him up. I don't know how many times we've done this dance. Um, I know I saw the potential in Christian Kirk. I just didn't know, honestly, for this year, I just didn't know if the opportunity was going to be there. Um, It's a pretty decent um, wide receiver room with New Hopkins, A.J. Green, and Rondell Moore. Yes, I know A.J. Green has seen better days, but I also feel that when you're that good, even when you're not at your best, you're still better than a lot of people's best. Um, So I just didn't know where the opportunity was going to be. Kyler Murray looked amazing. So if this is the Arizona Cardinals team moving forward – Give me all the Christian Kirk. You know, I may try to pick him up again, but I got to look at my roster construction, everything like that. But yeah, I mean, it's not surprising to see. I thought this could be Christian Kirk, but if he has the opportunity, I think he could have a pretty decent year. Certainly could. Finally, uh, let's just go to a guy that I don't know. We we talked a lot about after he finally got the starting gig at the end of last season, and we weren't sure if we were going to get the same guy coming into this year whether he'd actually progress with his throwing ability due to his often publicized inaccuracy as a passer last season. But he had a high floor coming in because of his rushing ability. But really, it was his arm that hurt the Falcons this weekend. What did you see out of Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts looks just like he looked in college. And by that, I just mean super calm, somebody that's not really worried about all the outside noise. He's just going to go about his business and do his thing. He has a lot of confidence in himself, and that's what I saw this past weekend or this past Sunday, you know, moving forward, I feel like I'm one of the rare people that thinks that Philadelphia actually has a pretty decent offense. I think they have pieces in place to be fantasy relevant. I think Jalen Rager is good. I think Devontae Smith is good. And I think Miles Sanders can be very good as well. So I look to see Jalen Hurts to be somewhat productive this year, but I think it's going to be a roller coaster year. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. They have some bad defenses to play against. Uh, namely they're going to play Dallas twice at some point this year, and they're going to have an easier schedule just due to their place in the standings last season. That being said, I don't know. I I still would like to see it because Atlanta looked really, really bad. It's the same situation with Arizona. I'd like to see them do it against somebody that isn't Tennessee because Tennessee looked like they had all the same defensive issues that they had last season. But it was refreshing to see Kyler Murray at full health and to see Jalen Hurts slinging it around. I agree with you. If that continues, obviously there's fantasy relevance there. And it may not just be for one player, but multitude of them. All right. So then let's go to our new segment, something or nothing. I'm going to give you a topic. You tell me if it is something or nothing. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and the Bengals offense after they win an overtime thriller against the Vikings. I still think that offensive line is garbage, but the rest of the offense is something. Joe Mixon had a lot of yards in this game, both in the air and on the ground. And yeah, it was against a Vikings defense that looked eerily similar to last year's, but I I think this is a little bit of something. Ezekiel Elliott getting less than 15 touches. This is absolutely nothing. The game plan was to throw the football because you're not going to run and be successful against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have Zeke. I'm not panicking. This was nothing. I'm 100% agreement on that one. I think that's the general consensus. Dak throwing more than 50 times a game, something or nothing? 
I just don't think there's that many possessions in a football game. Because if you have Zeke, you can't have Dak. So I'm going to go with that is nothing. But if that's what the Cowboys had to do, I don't think they would be upset with that decision to play the football game that way at all. I don't know about 50 times a game. I agree with you. That might be a high number. But I think somewhere averaging around 40 is quite comfortable for what they're going to have to do with that defense. Because it, as good as it played at times, making some critical stops or turnovers, Uh, I still think that they're going to give up a lot of points and yards. So the Cowboys are going to need to throw to stay in games. Antonio Brown being the number one target for the Buccaneers, something or nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something. Absolutely. Something. He looks just like he did when he was at his best. He's quicker again than he was in the past years. I think he just has the ability to get open just as um, well as anybody on that team. Him and Chris Godwin, I think, are going to eat with Tom Brady, which is weird because Mike Evans had a pretty good year last year, but he was very quiet this last game. So I'm going to go with A.B. being for sure the number one target for the Bucs. I would tend to agree with you. I know that they're going to spread the ball out and Mike Evans isn't going to be basically shut down like he was this week. And there'll be weeks where it rotates to different guys. But I I think Antonio Brown being one of the biggest beneficiaries this year seems like it's going to be something. Jonathan Taylor being the number one passing target for the Colts. He had the most targets on the team yesterday. Is that something or nothing? You know, I don't know. This one, it's surprising you know, on a couple of fronts because Carson Wentz, I didn't feel was somebody that checked the ball down a lot. So maybe with him being in a new offense with him having such a terrible year last year, he's going to be a little uh, more cautious, but I'm going to go with nothing. Jonathan Taylor just doesn't come off to me as a receiving back just yet. I could be wrong, but I'm going to go nothing. I think it's both something and nothing. I know they clearly like Naheem Hines. They just gave him a a buttload of money in the last like couple of days, but Jonathan Taylor being involved in the past game does keep his relevance higher than it could have been and probably cements him as an RB one, even for a team that may be a little bit more limited in its offensive scope right now than they even were last year with Phillip rivers. So I do think it's encouraging, but is he going to lead the team in targets? Probably not. I think Seattle really tried to play up the receivers. And so they had to check the ball down and that was what Seattle was going for. I don't know if every other team is going to be that way, particularly in a division that features the Titans, bad defense, the Jaguars, bad defense, and the Texans, bad defense. Marquez Callaway only getting two targets, something or nothing. I'm going to go with that's nothing. Um, One off, hopefully, right? Because he was a big name this off season. I'm going to go nothing. Somebody was expected to be the number one target, but I still think it's probably going to be Alvin Kamara. He led the team in uh, targets and receptions last season. And it just looks like they're going to run the football and check down the football to Alvin Kamara a lot. I know part of this was game script that they didn't need to get the ball to Callaway, but I just don't know if he's going to see the same volume of targets that we're expecting from Michael Thomas. So all the hype that was in there. I'm not sure that's going to be a thing. He's not going to be somebody that I'm starting in my fantasy lineup anytime soon. And to me, he almost is on the cut line. I know everybody else is gung ho about his preseason performance. I'm just, I'd like to see it. Uh, Jameis Winston throwing five touchdowns, something or nothing. I think it's a little bit of both. We, uh, some people pretend 
or tend to forget that Jameis Winston was a Heisman Trophy winner. He is a number one overall drafted player. He had a couple of bad years in Tampa Bay, but we cannot act like he's not a good football player. That being said, the Green Bay Packers look terrible. I don't know if he's going to consistently <laughs> throw for five touchdowns, but he is going to be a fantasy-relevant quarterback like he's always been. As long as he can take care of the football, the sky is honestly the limit for Jameis, for Jameis Winston. Agreed, 100%. Uh, let's go to the next one. A.J. Dillon outrushes Aaron Jones, something or nothing? You know, it's remember the – New York Giants teams with Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw, right? Thunder and Lightning. There were some games where um, where Brandon Jacobs did have more rushing yards than Ahmad Bradshaw. I would say Ahmad Bradshaw is a better running back, um, but AJ Dillon is just a different change of place. Uh, so I think there are going to be games where he might outrush Aaron Jones, but I don't think it's something that, as an Aaron Jones owner, you should be worried about moving forward. Outrushing him, I might be able to see it because I think Dylan is a better between the tackles runner at times, unless there are just clear cutback running lanes for Aaron Jones. He's a more elusive, faster back. But I think Aaron Jones's true value is going to always be in the passing game by comparison. And that's where he's going to keep his floor a lot higher this year if you still have him on your team. I would not sell low on this one. I still expect the Packers to bounce back in a big way next week. Eagles being good and the Falcons being that awful, something or nothing. We kind of talked about this already. I think the Eagles have the potential to be pretty good, to be pretty decent. I'm not saying they're going to like win the Super Bowl or anything like that, but I think they can be better than expected. The Falcons are awful, absolutely awful. And I'm going to talk about that more in the, in a later segment, but the Falcons are not good. And if you have any of the Falcons players can, and honestly like Calvin Ridley, with as good as people thought of a year that he was going to have, I would be extremely worried. Yeah, it was not a, a great moment, but honestly, I think that Eagles defense might be the better part of that team. And that was what really held the Falcons down. Uh, I don't know what they're doing quite yet. And you, I think that the teams that had the most continuity probably performed the best, save for maybe like green Bay, but Atlanta was making a lot of changes, head coach, uh, taking away Julio Jones. You don't just do some of that stuff overnight. And I don't know, something just doesn't sit right that the Falcons are that bad because they were putrid after about the first drive. And I just have not seen the Falcons offense look that bad in that long. Yeah, well, they haven't had Julio Jones in that long either. You know, I fair. <laughs> the team is the team is bad. The team is bad, I think. Matthew Stafford's big night against the Bears, something or nothing. We know who Matt Stafford is. Come on now. Because he played for the Lions, he is super underrated. Now that he's going to play for a big market like that in L.A., uh, and, he, and he's going to play in some big-time games too. Matt Stafford, that's something. He is something. He's a very, very good quarterback. There were years that he was a top 10 quarterback, no doubt, slam dunk if he was healthy and he had some of his guys around him. When he was playing with Megatron and even the last few years when Galladay was healthy and Marvin Jones, like he was a big time quarterback. He can make the throws. I, I think he's going to be in a high scoring offense this year, and I would expect this to be the case most weeks for Matthew Stafford. The only difference is going to be he doesn't add enough with his legs to be one of the elite fantasy quarterbacks. 
but he's going to be a viable starter. And I think we projected that about right for going into this season. Corey Davis, something or nothing. Oh man. People that just listened to our last episode heard what I thought Corey Davis could do this year. Um, As someone that used to be part of the fuck Corey Davis um, club president, probably founder, I would like to formally apologize <laughs> to Corey Davis, um, welcome him back to my team and everything. But yeah, no, in that Jets offense, I most definitely think he can be a wide receiver one. I most definitely think that there are more weeks of this type of Corey Davis ahead of us. I would agree. Uh, Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson without Ryan Fitzpatrick, something or nothing? That's something. Um, Scary Terry, I feel like, was in for a huge year. Antonio Gibson, I feel like, was in for a much better year as well. Um, Taylor Heineke, Heineke, right? Heineke, I um, believe, yeah. He looked very good last year in the couple games that he played in. He looked very good, like a poised young quarterback. But at the same time, the experience that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick brings, I think, is something that um, McLaurin and Gibson are going to miss. Yeah, I do think it affects them, unfortunately, negatively. How much we have yet to see. Uh Usually when teams get a little bit more time to figure out a backup quarterback or a younger guy, there was a reason that he was not selected. And I think he was an undrafted free agent. So those cracks will eventually start to show. It's just how soon and how often that being said, he has looked like he could be a very capable starter. I mean, he had a decent playoff game against the Buccaneers, probably better than anybody else did the last year during the playoffs. So who knows, but with Fitzpatrick likely out for at least probably eight weeks. I don't know. I mean, and even if he comes back at that point, this is a fairly significant, serious injury and he's 38. I don't know if we get a great Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back to the Washington football team this year. And so the stock's got to be down a little bit because I don't think Taylor Heineke's going to be airing it out in the same ways that Ryan Fitzpatrick would downfield. And that was part of the reason that you thought, Uh, Terry McLaurin was going to have a bigger year. Maybe Antonio Gibson still has a a lot of carries this year and his volume is just high enough to project him forward the way we thought. But I do think this unfortunately downgrades this offense. So then let's go to Sam Darnold looking competent, something or nothing. And I think that's something I think he is out of New York. I just don't think that was a good fit for him in the, in the coaching staff that he had in New York. Now he's here with a much better coach. I think in my opinion, he's on a much better team Has a running back has a couple of wide receivers that he can throw the football to. He threw the football to Christian McCaffrey nine times. Christian McCaffrey almost went a hundred and a hundred. You know, he was 11 yards away receiving and two yards away rushing. I think Sam Darnold is going to have a lot of more safer throws to make. I just think that he is, he could be in for a much better year don't look for as many turnovers from Sam Darnold this year I think he still needs to grow into the position I think he's gonna have some growing pains but it was a good sign that they made the plays they needed to against the Jets was he the best quarterback on the field all weekend no was he even in the top half of uh starting quarterbacks maybe maybe not I I thought there were some errant throws that he had that weren't great but Overall, he did a competent job, and he did get some big chunk plays at times. It's just how much difference. I mean, it's one thing to check the ball down to Christian McCaffrey. Literally anybody can do that. Just watch Kyle Allen's film from two years ago. 
but it's whether or not he's going to be able to get the rest of these guys incorporated. The Ian Thomas's, the Terrence Marshall's, the uh, Robbie Anderson for more than one catch for 57 yards and a touchdown. I'd like to see a little bit more proficiency when it comes to some of that, because that's what we were expecting last year with Teddy Bridgewater. And depending on the game, he was delivering and he did have a decent game with uh, DJ Moore yesterday, but Christian McCaffrey being the leading receiver on this team, when you have a lot more capable guys, I don't know if that's going to be sustainable if they're planning on winning other football games that aren't against the New York football jets. Carlos Hyde and Mark Ingram leading being the leading rushers for their teams, something or nothing. Um, I'm going to go with nothing, but I feel like you kind of have a little bit more to say to this. So I'm going to yield my time to you. (laughs) Um, We said that unfortunately Carlos Hyde was not going to be nothing for Jacksonville, but I think that was more of a game script type of thing. I don't think James Robinson's going away. In fact, I think Urban Meyer would be just as stupid as some people think he is if Carlos Hyde was the leading rusher for that team. Also, we saw Mark Ingram be terrible last season for Baltimore being the lead running back on that team. I don't know how he'd be a more competent leading rusher for the Texans, even if he is going against the Titans and the Jaguars three other times this season. It's just not something that I'm really investing in. And I think long-term Philip Lindsay's still the guy that I would rather have. It's an interesting anecdote that somehow Mark Ingram, because they were trying to trade him like two weeks ago is the leading rusher for this team. But realistically, I I don't think either of these is going to be the long-term thing in three weeks. I don't think this is, or either of them is going to be the rushing leader for their team. Uh, CEH never being more than a flex option. Something or nothing. And that's crazy to me. You know, we thought, especially after his debut, we thought that he could be something, right? We thought that he was in a perfect offense, a perfect fit for him. And now it's been a year in a game and it's still like, all right, when are we about to see the real CEH? I know you were super high on him coming out of college. I think you thought that he was one of the top backs coming out. Um, I was never that high, but I did think that he would fit in perfectly in that offense as somebody that, you know, for somebody that did draft him as high as you probably did, especially in dynasty, I think you got to be pretty pissed off at this point. Yeah. yeah, I do think that it could be something that he's never more than a flex. He seems like a guy who is the fourth or fifth option on his own team. He gets a couple of swing passes or some check downs occasionally, but with Patrick Mahomes, instead of Alex Smith, it's just never going to be that he's going to be the receiving option that Kareem Hunt was when he led the Chiefs and frankly, the fantasy world that one year as both the leading rusher and was a significant passing threat. I also think Kareem Hunt might be a better back just in general. But that being said, this team clearly just does not want to run the football in the red zone. When they get in close, they're doing shovel passes to uh, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or throwing it to freaking left tackles for no good reason. It's just like, why don't you use the guy that's literally back there? I'm glad and also very disappointed that I don't have him, but at the same time, Like I'd be tearing my hair out and I can't afford to do that. I don't have much left. (laughs) All right. Uh, Derek Henry drop off something or nothing. 
I don't want to read into that yet. I'm going to go nothing. I do think that the game, them being so out of it so early, uh, has something to do with it. I'm not going there yet, but I do think we are closer to the end of Derrick Henry than we are to him still being in his prime prime. The amount of running backs that had the amount of carries that he had last year and dropped off the next season is glaring. We thought he could be the exception because he seems to be an alien life form. And that may still be the case against some really bad defenses in his own division. Again, he's going to have to play the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans four times yet. So there's possibilities he could run for a lot of yards. He also beat up the Colts twice last season. So who knows? But all that being said, if they're going to be down in a lot of football games, you're right. The game script could basically take him out of effect. And so therefore he just doesn't have the same type of year. I don't think he'll be the leading rusher this season. I think he was the obvious candidate, but Tennessee just does not have the defense for it right now. And they looked a little bit lost on offense yesterday. They were sloppy. They were all over the place. They were disorganized. I would expect for them to have a bounce back, but it might be kind of downhill from here for Tennessee this year. If he isn't able to be the focal point that he has been for the last two or three seasons, Sterling sharp being the number one wide receiver for the giants, something or nothing. Sterling sharp. Excuse me. Shepard. <laughs> Wow, that was bad. I think I've done that before on the show. I'm pretty sure I've done that. That would be that would be awesome. I almost said, you know what? That could be something because no, I mean Sterling Shepard. Somebody's got to catch the football there. I drafted Sterling Shepard a long time ago. I did see the potential. He just never, for me, he never lived up to it. And I think it's just because of the terrible offenses that he's been in as well. I do think he's a very good player. Um, but for him, I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one. I do think it'll probably season wise, he'll be back end wide receiver two, but that could be what a wide receiver one is for the giants. So yeah, I think it's something he could be a wide receiver one for the giants, but he's not somebody I'm scrambling to get on any of my squads either. I still think with Daniel Jones and I do not believe in that giants offense. I mean, they look terrible and you have to be worried about Saquon after this week, but even the number one on the Giants offense is not going to be hugely fantasy relevant. They're at best a flex option for me, but I think it's quite possible that he ends up being healthier and more productive than Kenny Galladay right now, who just cannot stay healthy. I think it's a little bit of something. All right, Len, let's go to our tried and true segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. My good this weekend, Antonio Brown and Corey Davis. These were two guys that we'd both mentioned in previews in uh, our segment last weekend, or excuse me, uh, last Thursday night. And they both had huge games. They came through. These are guys that I'd be looking to get into my lineup if I had them in redraft. What is your good for the weekend? I mean, you took both of mine. I'm happy to say I have both of those guys on my team. So I went and I did some more digging. The good for me is Rob Gronkowski, eight targets, eight catches, 90 yards, and two touchdowns. He did not start out hot last year. Um, he kind of warmed up the year went on. I did not start him. I have him on my team. But he, even with that performance, and I feel the same way. I'm wondering if you feel the same way. Do you feel like this is a real Rob Gronkowski? Like, do you think that this is something that he can continue moving forward? I don't know. There's something about... Tom Brady finding the fountain of youth for all of these guys that 
I think it is something. I don't know it's going to be Pete Gronk because I think he's got a lot of mileage and tread on the tires. But remember, Gronkowski's as old as Travis Kelsey. Like they're the yeah. same age. It's not it's that just, unfathomable that he could at least play and be productive. And clearly they're not going to throw the ball to OJ Howard anytime soon. So if uh, Ronald Jones isn't going to be on the field because he keeps fumbling or playoff Lenny isn't going to be a thing, then they got to throw the ball to somebody. And I think Gronk could be a beneficiary. I mean, think there might be down weeks because I just don't think this is Pete Gronk anymore, but it may be more something than it is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I kind of agree with that. Uh, my second one is Dak and not anything about it. Just, I'm really happy to see, to see Dak back after such a terrible injury and to pick off exactly where he left off. Um, it's very cool to see. I hate injuries. So the good for me is Gronk and Dak. On that same note, I'll just add in another one. Joe Burrow being the same way. Uh, I'm really encouraged that we got a couple of guys that are, you know, superstar caliber level quarterbacks playing at a high level coming off of really significant injuries. And, you know, it just makes the NFL more fun. My bad for the week, Aaron Rodgers and the fucking Green Bay Packers. Good God, was that putrid. Uh, I don't know if anybody needs me to piss on the grave of the Packers this week. Uh, clearly ESPN is doing a good enough job at that by themselves, but yeah, uh, I won't ag- go too much further without acknowledging how bad that game was. The bad, I guess, uh, then for me, or did you do both of yours? I just did had you have two one. or just one? Just one. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I mean, you could Sorry. incorporate it. I mean, um, really for- nobody on the Packers did well. You could say Aaron Jones, AJ <laughs> Dillon, MVS, Robert Tanyan. No, Devontae yeah. Adams might be the only viable guy that was in the lineup, but he certainly didn't have a great week. Aaron Rodgers looked terrible. So, yeah, none of your Packers starters this weekend did well for you. So, I guess that's like four or five. <laughs> uh, for me, the bad, I'm going to start out with uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons look terrible. Um, not only did he lose a fumble, he took nine hits, three sacks, and had the lowest intended air yards per attempt with 3.7 of any quarterback this year. I do think it's going to be an incredibly long year for the Falcons and for Matt Ryan. Like I said, if you have Calvin Ridley and you drafted him like a lot of people thought he was going to be the number one wide receiver this year, I would be super worried about it. I, I truly would. It's just they don't look together to me. Um, my second one then is I, I'm going to do for somebody on my own team, somebody that I traded for a couple weeks ago, and that's Austin Eckler. It was exciting to see him get the goal line work, but what made Austin Eckler so much fun and so good is his involvement in the passing game. And he really wasn't involved in the passing game much at, at all. So that's a little concerning. It looks like I mean, especially with Herbert throwing for 337 yards, 47 attempts, Eckler didn't do too much of anything in the receiving game. I'm not too worried just yet. I know that his targets were pretty minimal for a guy we were expecting big things out of, but he wasn't involved in the first half for most of the game, except for the goal line work. I think this is a guy that we thought might have some injury concerns coming into this week. They probably limited some of his usage. I think once he gets back to full strength, I would imagine he's going to be 
just as productive, especially in the passing game. But you do like the sign of him getting a goal line carry or two and getting a goal line touchdown, because that's one of the areas that people had knocks against him coming into this season. I don't know. I'm just not hitting the panic button yet. But, you know, I I think that uh, he started off the year this way last year as well. Just something to monitor more than anything. All right, then my ugly of the week, and it's quite simple. He cost me the game because I had Jamal Williams in and because I thought Brandon Ayuk wasn't going to play. Then they told me he was going to play, thought it was a great matchup, and he gets relegated basically to decoy. Uh, He was my ugly fantasy player of the week, putting up a complete dud. You might say Ronald Jones, but I think Brandon Ayuk was started by more people than Ronald Jones. Yeah, you were you were pretty upset about that, and that I can understand. Uh, for me, my ugly is going to be Allen Robinson. And I think for me saying that, it's kind of just the whole Bears thing. Like, all right, pull the plug on Andy Dalton and just get Justin Fields in the freaking game. Allen Robinson had 11 targets. He caught six of those for 35 yards. You have 11 targets, you catch six, and you only have 35 yards. That's absolutely insane to me. Um, so... You know, 6.5 fantasy points in our league. I honestly think if I'm the Bears, I come out tomorrow and I'm saying, all right, (laughs) Justin Fields is our quarterback. Let's do the damn thing. Um, I do have a second one. It's not a fantasy player, but I feel like you'll feel the same way as me. Injuries, man. I'm already sick of the injuries with week one. A lot of big-time players going down and going to be out for a while. That is the game, but... That's annoying to me as well. The other ugly, if I had to nominate one, is probably Saquon, just because people took him still very highly. I know that uh, I kind of made fun of my dad in our office redraft league because he took Jonathan Taylor, then took Saquon while he still had Eckler, Mixon, and uh, Nick Chubb sitting on the board. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? And then they wouldn't let him repick. And so I just feel bad for him right now on that one because, like, that's just. I don't know, but the Giants offense looks terrible. He does not look ready. And I think that offensive line is not going to be capable. Part of the reason that Barkley was as good as he was a couple of years ago was Eli Manning was checking the ball down more than Alex Smith. And so he just got a lot of receptions. I just don't think that's going to ever be the case again with this guy. And he's so talented. You'd love to see him be out there and be capable, but Golly, the Giants are just terrible on offense right now. All right, so pickups, streams, stashes, and drops. Top pickups of the week for me. Jameis Winston, Elijah Moore, Sterling Shepard, Eli Mitchell, Jalen Rager, Mark Ingram, and Christian Kirk all are less than 50% owned in Yahoo leagues. Uh, Top drop candidates for me, if I had to pick a few, Adam Troutman was the most targeted guy on the Saints, but he was not getting a lot of the red zone and goal line work. Uh, Instead, we got two touchdowns for Jawan Johnson, the converted receiver for the Saints, and he's been kind of making some waves if you listen to some of the experts. J.D. McKissick, not a lot of passing game work. In fact, Antonio uh, Gibson actually was getting more of the passing game work in this game against the Chargers. Austin Hooper and or Hunter Henry, I just think that these guys are not going to be highly targeted guys in their own offenses. It looks like the Browns are clearly going with David Njoku as being their guy. They got like three tight ends in Cleveland because of that uh, heavy running game package that they want to do. 
Zach Moss, he was a healthy scratch for the Buffalo Bills. Not sure what's going on there. And then Mike Gusecki. When is that guy going to actually produce anything? I mean, good God, we've been waiting on him to be the guy. Right now, the Dolphins have Jalen Waddle and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, and he, what's concerning to me too with the Mike Gusecki, because he's somebody that I drafted this year and somebody that I started over over Gronk too. The thing concerning for me is he didn't have a catch. He had two targets, but he was only playing. He played 20 of 52 snaps. Um, There was another dude, Durham Smith, that was on the field, 17 more plays than him. And then a rookie played some as well. So it's the, it's not even that he wasn't involved in the offense. Now it's the usage that's, that's the issue. So, yeah, um, as somebody that has him <laughs> and somebody, the only one I feel the only weaknesses on my team is the tight end position and someone I thought could fill that void, I'm, I'm pretty ticked off, pretty ticked off. Well, the good news for you is, is you have Gronk and that may ben- benefit you to start him just from now on. But, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's not a lot of guys that I'd be – jumping off the bandwagon quickly from after week one, but these are a couple of the guys that I thought of. I know that uh, the Jalen Rager mentioned slipped past you a little bit here, but any thoughts on his productive day for the Eagles? Um, you know, I, I, it didn't slip by me. I'm trying not to read too much into it. Um, like, cause I was pretty frustrated. I took a leap on Jalen Rager last year, um, leaving Justin Jefferson, people like that on the board, T Higgins, you know, and sitting and watching all those guys make noise last year, you're like, shit, 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 shit. So, yeah, here's two year two breakout for Jalen Rager. So I don't look like an asshole. <laughs> Again, I would only suggest maybe Mark Ingram if you're running back needy in a redraft league and you've got the bench space, just on the off chance that he is the leading rusher on a team and the guy who's getting more volume and touches that maybe he's flex ready, but, you know, the rest of these guys, I think I'd be investing more capital in than than that. Uh, I know Elijah Moore didn't have a huge game this weekend, but I think that everybody thinks it's going to be coming, even though the Jets are still the Jets and they just lost possibly their left tackle for the entire season. So, yeah, I don't know. Injuries, man. Yeah, I think it's like four to six weeks, but we also know that that can be a little, you know, conservative as well yeah one of the few uh situations we didn't talk about and this is a guy that we might be concerned about apparently it's going to be i think six to eight weeks as well for jerry judy who did not apparently break his ankle as most people thought he was going to but uh clearly has a high ankle sprain and given the situation with michael thomas that extended into this year and other wide receivers that have had high ankle sprains not necessarily good for a guy who was playing pretty well yesterday. Yeah. And for a guy that's known for his route running and for his feet, the quickness of his feet, that's somebody that you're kind of hoping can just survive the rest of this year, get healthy and come back next year. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Denver, I have as a playoff team this year. So if uh, they give him the time and space to heal and, you know, court or uh, Cortland Sutton can be productive fill in some of the gap there. Cause I know he was, he only had like three targets and one catch yesterday, but there's clearly going to need somebody to take over and be the productive guy to replace what they're losing and Judy to uh, continue forward. But they've got pass catchers on that team. They've still got two running backs that were productive yesterday. I don't know. 
it's just uh, tough for a guy that looked like he was poised for the breakout. So any last thoughts for the recap on week one? No, man, it's good to have fantasy back. It's good to um, talk fantasy, talk shit about fantasy again. Yeah, no, it's just good to, it's good that football's back. Yep. And we will be coming at you again uh, with our Monday night football reaction on Thursday night. We'll release the episode Friday morning. So be on the lookout for that. But thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again on Thursday night, Friday morning. But until then. Until then, everyone, stay safe and then good luck. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload20. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.